Al Jazeera podcast. The United States has been Israel's strongest backer in the war on Gaza. The European Union and the United Kingdom have also voiced political support. As more Palestinians are killed and the humanitarian situation worsens, where do Russia, China and India stand? I'm Bernard Smith and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyse and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests. In Moscow, Pavel Felgenhauer is an independent Russian foreign policy analyst. In Beijing, we're joined by Einar Tangen, a senior fellow at the Tahi Institute, a Chinese think tank. And in Uppsala, Sweden, is Ashok Swain, a professor at the Department of Peace and Conflict Research at Uppsala University. A warm welcome to you all. Pavel, uh, let me start with you. Vladimir Putin and Benjamin Netanyahu, Russia and Israel, are supposed to be friends. But there's been no phone call from the Kremlin this week, no message of condolence. Why? Uh, well, actually, today, in a summit of, um, the, common, of the, Russia, the Commonwealth of Independent States in Bishkek, uh, Kyrgyzia, uh, Putin said that and announced that uh, Israel has been the victim of a, a terrific attack and has the right for self-defense. At the same time, reiterating that Russia wants a ceasefire for all sides to show restraint and that Russia supports a two-state solution with the Palestinian state with the capital in East Jerusalem. Uh, so the Russian position is kind of, well, right now, rather balanced, I would say. And though, yes, there was no phone call to Netanyahu, but still the two... Russia right now does not want to go and become, does not want to really criticize uh, Israel, at least the Kremlin does not. Of course, it should be understood that there are different fractions in the Russian leadership, in the Russian state apparatus, and there are embedded pro-Arab, anti-Israeli, anti-Jewish, I would say, fractions, but there are those who support Israel, and they're prominent Jews, and President Putin turn, um, turns to be, he is kind of known to be uh, a friend of the Jewish people, sort of. Uh, so you, uh, Israel is not seen as an enemy. America but, is, but Israel is not. But wouldn't uh, Israel have expected more sort of overt uh, support from the Kremlin? After all, Israel didn't join uh, sanctions against Russia after the invasion of Ukraine. Israel hasn't got much back from the Kremlin this week, it seems? I say they're not getting back, but they're not also getting any kind of right now Russian pushback too. So maybe the foreign ministry is a bit more pro-Arab, I would say. Uh, but again, the establishment in the foreign ministry and the Russian military establishment, the intelligence services tend to be uh, kind of pro-Arab. There's still connections that were founded during the Cold War. Uh, but there are say, other fractions inside the Kremlin, and the result is a kind of balanced position. And I think Israel is happy that Russia is not on, a, which has military forces deployed nearby in Syria is not right, is right now in a rather balanced, neutral position. 
All right. Aina, uh, in Beijing, China hasn't directly criticised uh, Hamas this week. The foreign minister, uh, Wang Yi, says the right way to resolve the, the conflict is to advance the two-state solution and resume peace talks. But it must know that's not going to happen in the near future. Why is China treading carefully? Uh, treading carefully because you have a situation where people are trying to create this false dichotomy, that it's either one way or the other way, that you either stand with the Palestinians or you stand with Israel. China is trying to stand with the people. They do not want more deaths. Uh, the tragic loss of life uh, that was happening um, before uh, the Hamas attack, uh, the tragic loss of life during it, and now we have even more tragedy. It is not uh, doing well. I mean, already we've, there was an attack here in Beijing, uh, a Jewish um, uh, embassy official was attacked in broad daylight. I mean, what you have here is a chain reaction of hatred and death that is following around. It is time to stop that cycle. Two-state solution. Everybody knows that that's the only way out. And unfortunately, uh, no one wants to admit it now. Everyone's rushing to say, I'm with this, this guy or that guy. Right now, there are only villains and victims, no heroes. So does China see that it might have some sort of uh, mediation role after its success, perhaps with Saudi Arabia and Iran? Does China, does China see that? Well, I think you make the mistake of inferring that the, you know, the Chinese take on this same role that the U.S. does. Look, you know, China, this is not a political plaything for uh, domestic audiences. Uh, China is more than happy to be a part of any peaceful resolution. Uh, they'd be happy to have the U.S., Russia, anybody who could uh, stop this carnage. You have, uh, you know, two million people there, one million children. How is this going to work? All right. Adding more tragedy. Uh, it's incredible to me that we're creating a chain. The children that live, who live through this bombardment, right? What's going to happen to them? Mm. How easily will they be radicalized? This mm. is an ongoing chain of situ uh, situation. And instead of having responsible governments saying, look, everyone needs to calm down. We need to start talking instead of throwing bullets and bombs at each other. Um, you're not hearing that. It's just all about taking sides. Ashok, uh, the government in India has been more vocal in its support of Israel's Narendra Modi saying we stand in solidarity with Israel. But this is from the country that was the first non-Arab country to recognize the PLO and then the state of uh, then the Palestinian state. What has changed in India with Modi? I think, as we all know, that the Modi uh, and the Hindu nationalist government, uh, which uh, always wanted or has been traditionally uh, been closer to the Israel, uh, of course, the relationship uh, is quite old, despite India recently uh, recognized Israel uh, or you know went on for the diplomatic relations in the 90s, early 90s. But what has happened here, I think uh, he went came out quite uh, strongly uh, saying that the India is with Israel or uh, even described Hamas as a terrorist organization. Uh, though the Indian law doesn't really look at that way, I think then they went on like this because the reason is exactly the anti-Muslim or Islamophobic ideas which they do have or the present government has. And that is one thing which, which really uh, pushes them to be closer to Israel and also Israel they have very strong military or security relationship now with Israel. 
so saying that, I think what has happened now, there has been, of course, a very strong public opinion. It's not only 200 million Muslims, those who live in India, but also large-scale public opinion is in favor of our, our Palestinian cause. And I think that has also now they have realized and today they have made a statement which the foreign ministry has come out with a statement which making it balanced bit rather than what they did or what Modi did in the beginning. Ah, so this, is, there a, is there a sign of an attempt by Modi to have a more assertive foreign policy or is the, is the for, uh, foreign ministry trying to draw that back in again then? That's right. They have tried to make it sound like they are worried about what is going to happen. They also reiterated that they, they are in favor of the two-state solution. They are trying to say that, look, what is, what is happening? We are worried about the humanitarian issues in Gaza. That was missing completely in the beginning. And I think it has come basically, as I said, because of the pressure from the public opinion. And also they realize that the Indian history is India is just become independent 78 years back. They do have that kind of uh, way of a, new, a colonial uh, past, which they understand very well, the Indian public very well, that what is happening in Palestine. So I think they couldn't really, because it's a somehow now they have to adopt this balanced approach, the Indian foreign ministry, just to dilute what Modi has said okay. before. Okay. Pavel, uh, back to Russia. Is Russia worried about Iran and what Iran thinks, given that now it's one of the primary supplies of arms to Russia as it continues its war in Ukraine? Of course, Ukraine is the right now main focus point of all Russian policies, internal and external. And Iran has been supportive of it, and there's been increasingly close ties between Moscow and Tehran, and Russia would not want to really uh, uh, get uh, on the wrong side of the Iranians. Uh, so yes, there's a Russian policies in the Middle East will be, Russia will tread very, very carefully, not to worsen relations with Israel, not to worsen relations with Iran at the same time, and keeping in mind all the time that the main enemy is the United States. So if the United States becomes more closely involved in what's happening in the Middle East or even becomes involved militarily, that's where Russia will be a very important red line. And also if there's any threat to the Russian ally, the regime of Assad in Damascus, and of course Russia has a military presence in Syria, then Russia could actually become maybe even militarily involved, though right now that seems remote. So there are possibilities for the Russian position to change because being a friend of Iran and being at the same time a friend of Israel, but an enemy of America is a very precarious position to have. I mean, it's yeah. uh, even yeah. just, uh, it's, it's easy to uh, step aside and everything, this, uh, uh, House of Cards will simply tumble. Uh, but would, I mean, nobody wants to see this, of course, brought into a wider Middle East conflict, but would Russia be willing to take sides if that happened? If, if Israel, if US comes down on the side of Israel, will Russia take sides? Will it have to? Well, they'll try to avoid it again because uh, our hands are full with uh, Ukraine, but we have a, a contingent in Syria, 
their fighter jets and their anti-aircraft capabilities there, that could possibly get involved in any kind if the fray moves to seriously into Syria. Uh, and Hezbollah also get, gets involved uh, very much. That's, and that's where Russia could get involved too. And Einar, touching on, on Iran again for China, how high are the stakes for China if this conflict broadens out in the Middle East? It got, took 87% of Iran's oil uh, exports uh, in the last couple of years. It, in fact, takes more oil from the Middle East than the US does. So there's a lot at stake, is there, for China? Well, there's a lot of stake in terms of energy, but uh, qu quite frankly, uh, China's position is it's not going to get involved in anything militarily. There are no alliances. No. What they're going to continue to do is call for peace and talks, because it's the only rational thing you can do. Uh, bullets and bombs and killing children is not going to end this, um, is it, you know, tragedy that's been going on for these many years. So um, at this point, uh, China is not in a position to even act militarily. The closest thing they have is Djibouti, and that is just a resupply station for anti-piracy. So there's no question about any kind of military involvement in terms of Iran. Uh, Iran has uh, their own position on this. Uh, they obviously back Hezbollah, which backs um, you know, the, the, the Gazan uh, entities there that attacked Hamas. Um, so, you know, I, I, the, the real danger here is that, you know, I, I was on a show where you, you had uh, an American, a Brit, and, um, uh, and an Israeli saying that peace at any cost. And uh, they were talking about uh, moving everybody out of Gaza. Uh, you know, I don't know how yeah. you marshal, you know, 1.4 million people no. out of there. Uh, and they said, but with no, no sense of the consequences of what that would mean down the road. And this but could there is lead more, to uh, a, a war in Syria because... Well, I was just going to say, Anna, what I mean is, there, is there more at stake for China than there is, say, for the US in the Middle East because of China's much greater reliance on energy from the Middle East than the US. The US can back Israel as it has done unequivocally without uh, draw, pulling Israel back. But China has more at stake. Well, it, it does, but the U.S. would not go unscathed. Right now, it's concerned about inflation. The global oil prices are already spiking. You're already starting to see uh, spikes also in um, uh, fertilizers. This is going to lead to more inflation in the U.S. Uh, that is not going to be welcome. Uh, they might get a little bit of bump out of selling excess oil uh, across the seas. But this is a global issue. We've had two now. You know, We have Ukraine, and now we have uh, Israel. Uh, these are undermining uh, the very basic structure of our economy, which is about a, a global supply system where demand creates jobs and opportunities. And right now, none of that is happening. OK. Uh, Ashok, uh, you've uh, written that you have thought it might be better for India to take a more neutral stance. But isn't there more in this for India to back Israel in terms of defence, in terms of trade and defence and security cooperations. A lot of, uh, there is a lot of significant ties there for India. 
Yeah, but I think uh, <laughs> India is not Russia or China. Uh, India is India. And I think uh, the, we know that India has limitations also on the security front, but uh, or the how it can be engaged militarily, but it has other strength, which you could have. That's why I thought that it should be better that it keeps a neutral stance. India, despite its, or particularly the Modi regime, uh, despite its uh, increased or the improved relationship with Israel or very strong bond security and military cooperation with Israel, it has also uh, developed very strong cooperation in the Gulf countries. Um, and this is where I think the, cha the challenge comes in, because India must realize that if this conflict lingers, this violence continues, that will be a very different place how to manage this relationship together. And I think it is also important to realize that India has a strong diaspora community, which is there and which has also, there will be a very big divisions within the diaspora community, how they will look at this conflict. So I think it has a lots of challenge, which India really didn't get that in the beginning because of this Modi's hubris, that we went on like this, this kind of complete siding with the Israel. I understand that they have developed strong um, uh, secret relations with Israel, and they do have ideological link with the, you know, uh, with their Hindu nationalism and the Zionism. But I think it is also very important for them to look at where India stands, what India can do, and what are the India's own interests can be solved because by keeping a neutral position. So then, quick, so are you, are you saying that is that Modi's condemnation of of, of Hamas, his clear condemnation of ha Hamas, could affect India's relations with Arab states? Uh, what I'm saying is that the, if the relations, or if the violence, if the conflict starts escalating, if the conflict becoming much more larger than what it is now, then it will be put India into a kind of bracket which is not very possible for it. To, to maintain the close relationship with the Gulf countries as well as maintain close relationship with Israel. So and that will create a number of complications, so many complications economic-wise, foreign policy-wise. It's also relationship with Pakistan as well as China. So And also it's a diaspora okay. presence in that region. And I think that's why it is very important that India maintains a neutral position because it has already developed a strong relationship with Israel. But India is also extremely dependent on now having a very strong relationship or at least a working relationship with the rest of the Arab countries, particularly okay. the Gulf. Okay. Uh, uh, Pavel, is, is Russia a beneficiary for now of Washington's change of focus from Ukraine to Israel? Well, yes, that's a hope that's been expressed much in Moscow, that now the West is going to be involved in centering its efforts on the Middle East, and that means they won't have uh, more resources or uh, uh, tension, actually, of the top leadership of the West on Ukraine, especially in the United States, where there's also uh, dysfunctional right now Congress, and so there's hope that Ukraine may be left out in the cold. Uh, I don't know how that will work out, but of course right now we're going into autumn, winter, and the bad weather, and so most likely there's going to be some pause in the fighting in Ukrainian fronts inevitably. And okay. while that happens, that pause happens, maybe the uh, problems in the Middle East will at least de-escalate to some extent.
But right now, yes, there's hope that this is going to work out and maybe in Russia's favour. But, I mean, in years past, Putin, Vladimir Putin, might have sought ways to cooperate with Western countries, mightn't he, to broker an end to the fighting. But there's not much incentive for him to do that now, is there, I guess? All right, now they're simply... Technically, that's practically impossible because Russian and American diplomats are not talking to each other almost at all. I mean, uh, they can't get together because they're not getting together. And that's, uh, very, of course, a very serious problem because communications between Moscow and Washington are almost broke down, as between Moscow and Brussels. And our Beijing has tried to stay on friendly terms with the Muslim world. Uh, does that give it a, an incentive to try and be a sort of a, a, a stakeholder in, in um, becoming a stabilising force, trying to try and become a stabilising force in the Middle East? Well, I think it behooves all powers in the world to try to be a stabilising force. Uh, who does it benefit? I mean, you've been uh, asking questions, does it benefit India or Russia or the US or China? It, it doesn't. This is all negative. There's no good news here. So uh, this idea that, you know, this is a, a calculated game, no, it isn't. This is, this is a situation that's been going on for many, many years. It finally exploded. People are horrified. More horrifying things are happening. But let's say you are a Muslim today in the world, and you're looking at this situation, and you're looking at, you know, the U.S. and other countries demanding that you, quote, stand with Israel or that you're some sort of war criminal. You know, there are many people in, in, in the Middle East, Muslims, who feel very differently about this. So right now, you know, you're creating this kind of touch point where people are going to remember how things played out. And this is not good for the world. The last thing we need is more sectarian violence. So at this juncture, yes, China is very aware that there are forces that are trying to tear the world apart. There are uh, countries that think that bullets and bombs are the solution. They don't believe that. Ashok uh, Modi used to be worried about the reaction of, of Muslims in India. Has, is he bothered anymore? Has he written off their support for international elections uh, next year? Modi is very least interested in the Indian Muslim support because I don't think anything, whatever he has done already for the nine and a half years, is not going to get the Muslim vote, or very little, he might. Uh, but I think, uh, but that's Modi's most most worry should be, I think, uh, uh, because Modi, the, if the conflict goes out of hand, the way situation is, it's also the India. We, India is already divided. India is putting uh, getting a lot of challenge, or his politics is getting a lot of challenge by not only Muslims but also other political parties and other 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 groups. So I think the, he is much more worried about about his election, but also this make, creates another challenge for him, how he will do it. But I think overall, as I, I think uh, we need to know that it will be India's best interest if the peace and stability uh, increase uh, uh, comes up to that region, because it's a very important region for India, India's economic ambitions, India's foreign policy challenges. And I think he he's probably, whether he understands it or not, India's foreign policy establishment has finally realized that they cannot play this, uh, that in one-sided game in this right. situation. But also, as you, as you was told before, it's so, extremely important to be looking at the peace and justice in the region and which has a huge impact for the global peace and justice. And I okay. think it's it's very much necessary that Modi need to really realize that or Modi, if Modi doesn't, India should. 
I'm not very, very quickly, Ashok. Does India have an eye on how the US has reacted? India didn't criticize uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That frustrated the Biden administration. Does India want to uh, signal to the US support, uh, signal to the US its support here? Yes, India is actually a bit more desperate now to get the U.S. support, particularly the challenge which has come from the Canada. Canada's prime minister has accused India for committing a political assassination in Canada. And that really needs India's support. India needs that support from the U.S. And I think that's what has made him desperate to get that. And of course, it has some okay. kind of India's... Uh, balancing game in Ukraine also put some kind of oh. ideas that if they really go for the US, then that probably helped. Okay. Uh, gentlemen, we're out of time, but thanks to your for your perspectives. Thanks to all of our guests, to Pavel Felgenhauer, Einar Tangen and Ashok Swain. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Laura Khan, Abla Klar and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Mark McDonald. The programme was edited by Alexander Kohler. Vanessa Keneally, Lynn Nyan and Joe DeFrace. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Saturday for our next edition. Coming up on The Take, Israel's government has unified and the military is preparing for a ground war in Gaza. Israelis are angry at the government for failing to protect them. But what will come of it? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.